Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Today's episode is brought to you by Onyx Bathhouse. Onyx Bathhouse is a woman-owned professional beauty brand that produces luxury bath items of at an affordable cost. From bath bombs and body scrubs to Epsom salts and bubble bath, this brand offers you a self-care routine as luxurious as a spa day. Now, I am particularly in love with the Champagne Wishes scent. It's like a pear scent mixed with magic. I don't know. Like, it just smells so good. I'm also a real sucker for vanilla scents, and so they have this birthday cake scent as well that I really enjoyed. I've been living for body scrubs lately as well and Epsom salt bath. So my two favorite products were bubbling bath salts and the foaming body scrub. Yes, you heard me correctly, bubbling bath salts. Now, I usually use both a bubble bath and Epsom salts to get that like luxurious feeling, but also getting all of the health benefits of the Epsom salts. And they've got you covered with two in one. I loved the foaming scrub as well because it smells amazing and leaves my skin exfoliated and smooth. The Champagne Wishes collection is infused with Moroccan oil to nourish and moisturize the skin and comes in packaging that feels like it's gift wrapped. Onyx bathhouse products can be purchased in Walmart stores or online at walmart.com. You can also Onyx bathhouse products at TJ Maxx. They live up to their tagline for sure, which is affordable beauty from head to toe. Thank you so much, Onyx, for sponsoring today's episode. Partnering with you is truly such a treat. Now let's dive in to our interview. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we're talking with Jedediah Jenkins, a New York Times bestselling author, entrepreneur, and Instagram personality. He is the executive editor of Wilderness Magazine. He's appeared in the Paris Review, Good Magazine, and has been covered by National Geographic. It's pretty casual, right? Just chill, living a chill life. Uh, Jedediah is also a fellow Type 7 on the Enneagram. Hi, Jedediah. Welcome to the show. Oh, hello. As you know, I am an enthusiast and I am enthused to be here. (laughs) Um, So as you know, we start every show with a rose, bud, and thorn. So Jedediah, what is yours? (sighs) Okay, let me think. So my rose is maybe combined with my bud, which is it's as we're recording this, I'm five or six days away from my new book coming out. And it's been a long multi-year process. So like book launch day, book launch week, month is really exciting because it's it's this pinnacle moment of all of a sudden people start to get the thing you made. And mm-hmm. in a pandemic, they're getting it in the mail generally. And it's showing up at their house and they're posting photos of it. They're they begin reading it. They're my most fulfilling, incredible feeling is when somebody like takes a photo of like a page of one of my books and like circles it and is like, 
this part, you know, like spoke to me mm-hmm. or this makes me feel some type of way. And uh, I, that's just about to start happening with this new book. And I'm so excited. So that's, that's currently happening. Like I'm doing this interview and I've been doing little readings every day on my Instagram of like snippets of it. And so that's a rose cause it's just fun to share what I've been working on. And mm-hmm. the bud is, this is about to hit people's hands and they're going to get to lay in bed or sit on the couch and hang out with me for the, the next few months. And I'm very looking forward to just hopefully inspiring some great thoughts and conversations and things like that. And let's say my thorn is probably pretty, pretty equally felt by maybe billions of people, which is I am tired of not being able to dance in public around Mm -hmm. other sweaty people and (laughs) not be able to just like couch potato pile on top of my friends and travel and bebop around. I mean, I'm such an insatiable traveler as many sevens are and to be denied that has been a a serious, like I'd say challenge and, and an opportunity for growth in my mind, like learning about myself sitting still. Um, and I'm sure it's felt similarly to you. Uh, yeah. So my thorn is, is just, I'm ready to pluck this thorn out and (laughs) hit the road and dance as soon as Dr. Fauci says I can. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, as soon as daddy Fauci lets me dance, I am ready to go. Yes. Daddy Fauci, let me dance. Put that on the shirt. (laughs) (laughs) That's the title of our episode. Daddy Fauci, let me dance. Yes. Um, so how did you find out that you were a type seven? Like, what's your journey with the Enneagram? You know, I think that's a good question. Who introduced it? May have been Richard Rohr because I got into Richard Rohr and his books and talks, however many years ago, um, maybe 2014, no, 2015, maybe. And then through loving him, I discovered he'd written a book on the Enneagram, and I was like, what's that? And then I had loved Myers-Briggs before, and mm-hmm. I had loved Strengths Finders. We did that back when I worked at Invisible Children, the charity that I used to work at. And so someone must have said to me, oh, it's similar to Myers-Briggs, but it's like richer. And it's like, it's it was just kind of like a tipping point in conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, then everyone was talking about it. So I took, I guess I took the test online or some test. And... Richard Rohr's advice was, um, first of all, when I met him, he goes, I bet you're a a seven, aren't you? Like in five minutes, I was like, I don't know, maybe I am. And uh, he said, he goes, you can take the tests, but my advice is actually read them all. And Mm -hmm. and then he said, one of them will feel like someone read your journal. Like Mm -hmm. one of them will make you feel very exposed. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then when I read the seven, I felt very exposed. And then when I read the concept of the, you know, the root fear is, is the avoidance of pain and pain. That was when 
not only did I feel like someone was reading my journal, but I was actually learning more about myself than I even knew about myself. Like that rang true in a way that I didn't even have access to. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm interested too in like, what about it? Like when you read it and you're like, this felt like reading my journal, um, which also good advice, Richard Rohr, right? Like obviously always good advice, Richard Rohr, but um, he's right. (laughs) And but when you read it and you were like, this feels like my journal, what are the elements that felt, I mean, if you don't mind sharing, like that felt like exposing or uncomfortable for you, that if you can remember? Well, sevens, from what I understand, generally like being sevens. Like unlike fours, unlike certain other numbers where you feel embarrassed to be your number almost or like too exposed sevens are like hell yeah i'm a seven woo and so i definitely felt that i was like mm-hmm. in a way where i was reading this as a personality type or a, a like i don't I, I guess it's called a personality type but i was reading it in such a way where i was like isn't everyone like this like yeah loves to discover loves to make a new plan while something's happening you're already making the next plan like I was like, I uh, isn't everyone doing that? And then people were like, no, not at all. I was like, oh. <laughs> so it was more like a, reading the other types. I was like, oh, I'm not like this at all. You know how when a horoscope or something is written, a lot of times it's written in a way where anybody could read it and extrapolate meaning for themselves out of it. Like it could feel very personal because it's written with such a... Uh, like it's written in like tricky universal language so that mm-hmm. you can map it onto your life no matter what. When I was reading the Enneagram types, I was like, absolutely. Nope. This is not me. Or I do not behave like that at all. And then when I got to the seven, I was like, aha, there I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you, so we talked a little bit about the thorn being quarantined and kind of that, that process. Um, and I've, I've said a lot on the podcast as a seven myself, like quarantine is like 2020 has been my greatest teacher because it's like the first time in my life I've been made to sit still and I've had to feel and grieve. Um, have you, what is 2020? Like, what has this process been like for you? It has been basically like looking at that Enneagram seven concept of avoiding pain i i hadn't really clocked in myself um that i travel and say yes to everything and i'm constantly on the go as a as a coping mechanism to fearing sitting still and quiet with myself Mm -hmm. um and feeling pain and feeling loss and grieving you know this or that and 2020 said well, I don't care what you feel, you're doing it. You're sitting in your house and you're just going to think and you're going to sit and feel. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, right as quarantine really hit, like in April, I had a breakup. Like my boyfriend just kind of like decided he didn't want to be in a relationship anymore, which it wasn't, it wasn't, we hadn't been in a long relationship, but it was, I was definitely in my feelings. And Mm so that exacerbated the like, okay, now I'm alone with my wonderful roommates and thinking about my heart and what is love and what am I actually looking for? And am I looking in the wrong places? And 
And in a in a normal year, a seven would jump right into dating and jump right into kissing boys and traveling and going and seeing things. And this year was like, no, you're just gonna really feel it and mm-hmm. and think about it and process it. So. So I mean it was it was a serious year of growth for me of just like self understanding and like learning to love myself without distraction. Yeah. I mean I think you touched on something really poignant when you said like a normal year we would just jump into something. And I think for and tell me if you relate to this or not, but I think for me I've thought in my life like that's the way to do it. Like you actually don't have to feel pain. You can actually just make yourself happy. Mm-hmm. And this year was kind of like you know, I've been doing the journey with the Enneagram work, but then this year it's like, actually, sometimes you just sit in it and that's the fastest way through. Well, that's what uh, our friend Ruthie Lindsay is so incredible at and has taught mm-hmm. me so much is she, because it, because she suffers from chronic pain and nerve damage, her pain, she has to sit in it because there's nowhere to go unless it's like total opioid addiction or something, right? Which is not on the table. And so she has just, that experience in her life has really equipped her with incredible um, commiseration abilities where she can just not try to fix somebody, not try to tell them it's going to be okay. Just sit with them and be like, I'm here. And yeah, this hurts. And that is something that I think a a healthy seven needs to learn how to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, okay. So one of the kind of stereotypes of type seven is that in this kind of, I don't know if this pisses you off, but it pisses me off. And a lot of the sevens I know is like this idea that we're shallow or we like can't be deep or we're not complex um, because we're happy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I think you have, you know, as a writer, we have this unique opportunity to kind of share the depth and the complexity of our thinking and the way that we operate. Um, and I think like through your writing, I'm able to see so much more, right? Like so much more variation and experience. Um, do you feel like there's kind of a difference in like writing you versus who you meet in person or who the levels of which people get to know you? Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's funny. People who know me when they read my writing, they're like, oh, I can hear you saying this. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't quite work the same way backwards because a lot of times um, people who've only read my books, uh, they'll meet me and they'll realize I'm much sillier or much (laughs) (laughs) just wilder than they thought I would be. Because, I mean, writing is a form of contemplation and a form of reflection, which is slower than maybe the speed with which I talk or like Mm -hmm. make a joke. But what's interesting is uh, the internet, like Instagram stories or TikTok or something where I can show that side of me. So now a lot of my readers um, follow me online. And so they actually see the way that I am more complexly because I share a lot about myself and, um, my personality on there. So there, the, the bridge between my depth and my silliness um, is shorter than it used to be. So people, which is an interesting, it's another interesting thing of just the, being a public person that mm-hmm. I meet people all the time who feel 
who feel like they know me really well and newsflash they do they've read my memoir about my whole life story and they follow me online and they see me and where i am all day and so they have this like one directional relationship with me Mm -hmm. and they know me really well and so they'll they'll see me in public and there's a intense rush of familiarity but i've never seen them in my life and so that is an interesting and a seven is especially well equipped to handle that because I really like everybody and I think people are so interesting and fun. So I can handle that. But for certain creative and artistic friends that I have who are also in the public eye, they might be a four or a mm-hmm. three with a four wing. And that experience of a stranger knowing them is really hard and strange for them. Yeah. I think too, you know, as a seven in this, in that position, there's sometimes this tension between we're very warm and open and friendly, but maybe not necessarily committed. And sometimes there's like an implied commitment to that warmth mm. that we haven't agreed to. Does that feel, does that resonate? Ooh, absolutely. And that used to, before I like had healthy boundaries Yeah. and it took me forever to get there, <laughs> but when I was in my twenties and in high school and college and um, after that, I was so warm and interested and fun that I, I had a lot of people who were like, who were, who felt very special around me as they should. Everyone should feel special, mm-hmm. but that's the, the, the equation that they were making was, people don't talk to me like this. So I must be so unique and special to be this close with this person. Yeah. And then they would see that I'm doing that with everyone. And the way that they felt special was diminished because I was treating lots of people like that. And so then their projection onto me became betrayal of like, how dare you make me feel like this if it's so cheap for you? And, Mm -hmm. and that was an interesting, confusing thing. Cause I was like, well, I wasn't promising you anything. Like I, you felt the way you felt because of you. Like, I don't know why you felt that way. And, and yet for me, it was never like ownership was never a thing. Cause to me, like friendship and great conversation and fun is something that that is something that exists in abundance. It is not a scarce resource, but for many it is a scarce resource. And Mm -hmm. like good conversation implies committed intimacy. And Mm -hmm. for me as a seven, that's just not necessarily the same. And that used to get me in a lot of trouble. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like you're singing the song of my, my life. And I think when you become a kind of more, and I, I think we're like public to a different degree, but like when you become more public and you put yourself out there online, um, it's almost like I feel like that move to type five where my boundaries have just like had to get stacked up because if you're as open and as bright and as inviting as I naturally want to be, um, that opening that up to such large numbers becomes it's just not, it's not reasonable, right? Like at some point there is a limit to what we can do and in the relationships we can have. What, 
would uh, I mean because I know the Enneagram to some degree, but not on your level by any means. So I, I've I've if I remember correctly, in um, whatever the term is, in chaos or whatever, we go to one, and in health or something, we go to five. Is that correct? Yeah. And everybody uses different terms. So I use um, stress and rest. So I think of five as like where I go when I feel safe or I feel like everything's going to be okay. I can kind of operate more out of that five space. And and what does a seven operating out of a five space look like? I've never quite understood that. Um, I'm so glad you asked. Um, so <laughs> it looks more like we get we can go all in on one topic instead of kind of spreading ourselves thin. Um, we can be more boundaried. Um, we don't necessarily have to, we don't feel like we have to fill our time up. Fives are really good at managing their energy levels and not overexerting themselves. And, um, they tend to like, they want to know everything. Sevens, we're like pretty, we're like self-proclaimed masters of everything. You know, like we learn a little bit and we're like, Oh, I know everything about everything. (laughs) Um, fives are like the opposite, right? Like they're, they're scared to claim expert of anything until they really, really know it. Um, so it forces us, like our deep research selves kind of come out. That is so true and helpful to see yeah. in that way. Yeah. Because it, it's just that experience, like in rest, you don't feel frantic. Mm-hmm. I. It's funny. I remember, and maybe lots of people felt this, but like during the Black Lives Matter social justice swell of the summer of 2020 um Mm -hmm. long overdue but i remember finding that sense of like in the midst of a pandemic and just like the world felt so confusing and so dismantled that i became obsessed with um with being with knowing the most and doing the most research and knowing American history the best and knowing systemic racism history the best. And, and I, it's interesting because there's like, I could feel myself trying to be the purest, like a one, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and that, and I bet you lots of sevens did. Oh, for sure. I think I, I like got on Instagram and told everyone if they didn't agree with me, they could F off. (laughs) Like my one came out hard. Like I was like, I right and I did wrong, the exact right? same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it is like people think of us as like light and playful. And it's like, yes, yes, we are until until the right thing moves us or the wrong thing moves us in one direction or the other. Yeah, that's so mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Oh, I um, love learning this stuff. I know. I'm I really want to nerd out about your creative process because you I, I just think you're really prolific. Like you are you're making all kinds of things. You've written multiple books. You're working for magazines. You're doing all kinds of stuff. So kind of, do you have like kind of a pattern or a routine or what does your creative process look like? You know, it depends. One thing that I am good at is like working with other people. So like, I like to come alongside with, with the magazine, it's like my dear friend Steve was like, I want to start a magazine. Will you help me curate and create and write for it? And I'm like, yes. So he does all the like heavy lifting hard, like where, where do you, where's a printer? What is paper quality? How do you bind it? Like what's the design? And then I can come in and find contributors and write and like the creative, some of the behind the scenes and 
then our friend Justin is an insane designer. And so it's very much like I'm not doing everything. I'm just coming in and doing what I'm good at and playing a role on a team. And mm-hmm. I kind of feel that way about my books. It's like my publisher is so wonderful. My editor is so wonderful. And they, you know, they give me a book deal. I mean, I signed, after my first book, I signed a two book deal following that. And the third book doesn't even exist. It was barely even an idea. They're just like, we know we want another book mm-hmm. from you. And it, that is a, such a vote of confidence. Most It's the most incredible feeling. And B, it's such a, like, we have these long waxing poetic conversations on the phone with my publisher and my editor of just like, what should I be thinking about? What should I write about? Where should I, like, where should my mind go? Which is a really fun process. And then once I figure that out to some degree, then I'll begin writing. Generally, I I think clearest and almost exclusively in the morning. Um, And so I generally write from like 8.30 till lunchtime. And it's not solid writing always. It's like sometimes it's research. Sometimes it's like reading a little bit and then getting an idea or tweaking something. And then I have lunch and then I work out and then I go hang out with friends or run other errands or answer emails or do whatever other work I have. And then in in similar to committee building, like I got approached by these guys to work on a documentary about wisdom and they want me to narrate it. And so they're doing all the heavy lifting interviews and this and that, and then I'm going to help write the narration and sew it all together and then do the voiceover. So it's kind of like, for me, it was, kind of figure out what you're good at and then start doing it. And then people will, if you, if enough people like what you're doing, they'll know you do that thing. Like, Oh, Jed likes to articulate ideas and speak them or write them down. So, Oh, maybe he should, maybe we should reach out to him about this magazine or maybe we should get him to voice over this documentary. And so it's kind of like you send out this like, radiation of this is a thing I do. And then people notice. Um, I remember watching this amazing interview with Oprah and she, one of her like big life advices was when you do your best, people notice. And it was that, that simple, but she was just saying, whatever you do, do it incredibly well because people will notice that. And then that will continue, that will like radiate out. If you're the most organized person in the world and your room is immaculate and you're always like arranging the silverware in such a way, and then who knows, your friend might be going on tour with his band and be like, do you want to come like tour manage our tour? Because you're really organized and nothing falls through the cracks. And then all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. because someone observed that you are meticulous, you now have this dope job that you would have never even thought to apply for. I just, that's kind of like the the trickle effect of how life works. Yeah. And I think you're articulating like this gifting that sevens have, which is, you know, not trying to solve things in our head as much, like we're taking action on the things we want to do. And I think so many other types have can really like take something away from what you talked about, like this act of like, sometimes you just start and you do your best and then the opportunities come from that, from the action. Mm. 
That's yeah. It's so funny. I like. I think best when I'm taking action. It's almost like build the plane while it's flying. Just go do it. Like mm-hmm. you can waste your life sitting around wondering if you should, or just do it. And then if you shouldn't have, then you'll learn. You'll burn your hand, or <laughs> yeah. it'll be amazing. Uh huh. And while the hand's healing, you'll figure something else out. You'll learn something yes. new. And at least you'll have a story to tell. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, Jedediah, I, you have a new book coming out, and I want to make sure we get to talk about it. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is when it's coming out, what we can expect? Yeah, so it's probably out right now because we're talking just a few days before it comes out. So um, it's called Like Streams to the Ocean. It's at pretty much every bookstore, I think. And um, it's even at Target, which is cute. And... Um, it's a collection of essays about the eight subjects of human life that are, in my opinion, the most important things that we can seriously think about. And so it's ego, your sense of self, um, family, home, love, friendship, work, death, and the soul. And so these are like the key things of what it means to be human. And I wrote treatises, essays, thought compilations on all of these things in a sense wanting to like deepen people's conversations with themselves and others and also as just like a friend to sit by the fire with. Like you can open this book and be like I don't know, I want to read about friendship today and you can just open it to friendship. It's not it's not a narrative structure where you have to start at the beginning. You can just read whatever section feels like something you want to dive into which to me is how I like to read and consume information. So I just kind of wanted to write a book that was everyone's deep talk friend. Yeah. Do you, you know, where it feels like the perfect book to like start your day. Like you pick a, pick a day, part of your day, you open the book, you read a section and you have something to think about or journal on. It sounds incredible. Yeah. I just, That's kind of what I wanted it to be. It's, it's, I mean, each section might be too long to read every morning because they're, some of them are short and some of them are really long, but, um, you can just take little bites of it and yeah, journal about it, think about it, read about my, a friend of mine does this thing, which we did it with my book and it's so funny and fun. She basically treats a book like tarot cards and she has you write she has you ask a question she's like what is the thing that's on the front of your mind the question on the front of your mind like don't overthink it just what's the thing that you want to know it's like are you going to find love this year is your career going to get better is whatever the kind of question you would ask tarot cards then she just flips through a book and you say stop and then she runs her finger up and down the page and you say stop and then she just reads whatever's there And we did it with this book and it was wild. It was like so fun. And, and then we sit there and discuss ways in which that, how could that could apply to answering the question? And I'm not saying this book is a a tarot card deck, but it's just, (laughs) it, it worked really well with that. It was really actually fun. If anybody wants to try it and be, you could do it with any book probably, but especially this one. But, um, 
Yeah, I I just wanted to write something. I got a lot of messages over the years online and in my email and in person of people saying when they would read my writing, they're like, I don't have anyone in my life to talk about these things with. I don't know anyone that talks about this, but I wish I did. And yeah, my intention with the book was to be that friend for a lot of people who don't, or give them a tool with their friend group to try to have those conversations with the prompt of reading the book. Yeah, that's incredible. I think that you're like spot on with just being able to have someone or, you know, a book like this, it's in your life that's inviting you into more depth and more complexity and um, more things to think about. And I think just reading books like that, it bleeds out into the other things that we're doing and the ways that we're having conversations with our friends. So I think it sounds like a really good asset. I hope, I hope that's true. I feel I'm just excited for it to be in people's hands and see how they mm-hmm. react to it. It's just so fun. Yeah, and the cover's beautiful, by the way. Uh, just I stunning. Know. You it guys. makes me the cover is um of Yosemite and it's just I just am so I mean, one thing about the pandemic is I've been able to go outside quite a bit, like camping. It's a very safe thing to do, especially in the West. There's just so much open space. So I've actually gotten to do that quite a bit this past year, which I'm so, so grateful for. But now I want to get into nature with like a big group of friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Relatable. Um, okay, so Jedediah, we end every episode with a rapid fire series of questions. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, this is the theme song. Dun, 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 dun. It's different every time. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. Okay. So the first book that comes to mind. First book, These Truths, which is by Jill Lepore. And it's a book I'm reading right now about American history. And it's incredibly fascinating. And especially in these weird times that we're living, it's amazing to see how much weirdness has happened in the past and how it's not that weird now. Amazing. A favorite song? Hide and Seek by Imogen Heap. Mm. I listened to the songs on my way home, so I'm excited to get to listen to that one. <laughs> Something you wish people knew about you? Mm. Wow, I'm a really open book, so they do know everything about me. But let me – hold on. What do I wish? I wish they knew I was a good kisser, which I don't know if I am. But what if <laughs> I you was? wish everyone knew that. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone take a moment, close your eyes, get into a comfortable position. Like, Gosh, he's a good and kisser. Imagine Jedediah is a good kisser. <laughs> <laughs> Dream day. What are you doing? Um waking up in a beautiful place after having camped under the stars, making coffee over the fire, going on a long hike, getting day drunk, swimming in a river, just like being in nature. Gorgeous. Your final meal, what are you eating? Um, like an in and out double double, a Chipotle burrito, a um guisados, quesadilla. Like I would want to eat all my favorite things at once because 
when I'm really full, I want to die. So if I'm going to die, then I want to eat all that food and then be like, great, kill me. I feel terrible. <laughs> great, kill me. I, is this the most seven thing that's ever been said? Like- <laughs> <laughs> Gluttony. And then death. And just one of everything, please. Yeah. Thank you. Um, okay, so – we end every episode with a food for thought. So what's something you think our listeners can le- go off thinking about? I think as we enter 2021 with a lot of hope and a lot of pain and a lot of grief, uh, I just believe that this could be the best year ever based on the power of juxtaposition where we mm-hmm. get to see our friends again. We get to dance again, sweaty dance with daddy Fauci. Like <laughs> I just feel like take a moment and appreciate the power of juxtaposition when that day comes and, and really clock it and know that um, in lack, there are lessons and in abundance, there is joy. Mm. Um, all right. How can people stay in touch with you? Where can they find you online? And, um, yeah, and we can, where can they buy your book? Well, if you follow me on Instagram is where I hang out the most, which is just my name, Jedediah Jenkins. Um, and then my website, which is my name.com, which I'm very self-obsessed, but it's just easy that way. Uh, you can, there's like a zillion links because you know, if I don't necessarily want people just to go to Amazon or whatever, it's like, you can get it at your local bookstore or Barnes and Noble, whatever it is. Like I have all kinds of links there and all over the world. So yeah, my website's where you can find all that. Perfect. And we'll link everything below, including the book. So you guys can go right to the show notes, click on, go grab his book and don't miss it. Thank you so much for being here. It was so much fun to, to chat with you today. Sevens are the most fun. We have the best time. <laughs> Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.